Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. <laughs> a little rusty. Hold on. This week's Lot on a Marathon winner is Brianna Cooper of Indianapolis, Indiana. Brianna will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Sarah D. Bunting, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedure. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 2, Episode 20, Peak. Is that what happens to all you people here, huh? The sex police, sex on the brain? Well, my mother never touched me like that. You were six years old and still sleeping with mommy. What'd she say to you, Jason? Did you have nightmares so you should sleep with her, keep the monsters awake? Can we stop? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. I thought it was a PK, like the fabric. It's not? P- no, it's they would have to have like a little <laughs> okay. accent I'm just saying, or something. I know. Uh, yeah. I worked retail, so I was like, PK. No. Jeez. <laughs> Sounds like a fine wine. It's, it's all about polo shirts. What could yeah, be bad? Yeah, they're wearing those shirts from Land's End. PK. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. And rounding our panel, setting the record as our first six-time returning guest. Shit. <gasps> Uh, at least that I have stopped counting after a while. Uh, it is from the extra hot, great podcast, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello. It's lovely to be back with you guys. Um, and also, I hate you both. Never talk to me again. <laughs> this episode, oh God. So, Sarah, the chess pieces are all in place. And I'm wondering what your official position is on Benson Stabler getting together. I'm not about it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm you not about it. You saw Cheers and Moonlighting, and you said that's going to mess the whole thing up. Well, and I also just didn't get that chemistry from mm-hmm. them. I'm still mad that she broke up with um, internal affairs guy Tucker. Tucker, and then he's dead. Bunker, though, right? Yeah, yes. he's, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you break up with Benson, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You die, man. Tucker, it's like who would have thought? Like, in, you have to wait till twenty twenty two to realize Tucker was the hero all along. I liked Tucker. I thought they were cute together. Didn't they like go to Paris together yeah. and stuff? But you're they like did. Tucker. Why are you getting on their back for beating up that suspect? Well, now we know because it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay. Yeah. Like God forbid someone hold these guys accountable. I know. That's why he's the he's the hero. Right. Also, he was hot. And he and Hargitay had crazy chem, I thought. Yep. Um, yep. But if B 
Babler scenes <laughs> are um, subtracting Noah scenes, then I will grudgingly submit, yeah. I guess. That's I mean, I don't have a choice. <laughs> they don't listen to me. Oh, yeah. I think they should just bring back Harry Connick Jr. And just like, oh, remember like man. the first yeah. second he was on screen, she yeah. like took off her she pants. She dropped her panties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Seriously, they had chemistry. They really did. And yeah, I, I was pissed they when they broke up so quickly. So I think I she think and Brower had chemistry. Yep, mm-hmm. that never went anywhere, but it should have. She Oof. and Cassidy had more chemistry. I mean, I actually oh, think yeah. she and Stabler. I think they have chemistry. That being said, it's like it's like what the idea that they have to be together and they can't just be like BFFs. Like that's like what? Like why? Like why? It's because the fandom demands it. Mm. I like I think Rollins and Carisi like Or put her with a put her with a lady. Yeah, but yeah. the Rollins and Carisi thing is so lovely and like we don't need another one. No. Because <laughs> as soon as you get married, you get kicked off the show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Man. What if they had sex and it was just like fucking awful and then that was that? <laughs> I guess that would settle it, right? Yeah, you're so tiny. I didn't no idea. All right, there's that. <laughs> Moving I'm on. This explains a lot. <laughs> I I may be tight, but I'm not Kathy Stabler That's type. That's right. You can email me at littledickenergy at getalife.com. <laughs> now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. Special Victims Unit, Season 2, Episode 20, Peak. A woman is stabbed in the back, raped from behind, her body left in the most cinematic New York waterfront location that the crew could find on short notice. The victim is Veronica Ronnie Tandy, an HR employee at a video game company. Her autopsy reveals she was pregnant, a fact her husband did not know. She was only seven weeks along. Maybe she was waiting for the best time. Or she may have decided to terminate, or it wasn't his. Is your gut telling you that the grieving husband raped his own wife and then brutally shipped her? No. But if she was having an affair with somebody who decided they weren't interested in continuing the relationship. Well, let's find out if we need to establish paternity. Co-workers say Ronnie had one good friend, Jason Mayberry, the former security guard. Benson and Stabler learned Jason is waiting to hear from the police academy. Besides being crazy, the director says they won't be admitting it because Ronnie withdrew her letter of recommendation after she fired him for using the security cameras to zoom in on women's boobs. Jason's new boss reveals that he's been telling co-workers Ronnie is his girlfriend. And other than using words from the hoity-toity thesaurus, his rich mother Grace is no help. The detectives get advice from a new face, Dr. George Huang of the FBI. Suggest only Elliot interrogate Jason because, you know, man stuff. (laughs) Stabler convinces the wannabe cop to help brainstorm suspects in the case. After baiting him with a steady stream of misogynistic comments, which came very easily for Stabler, Hmm. Jason admits that he hated Ronnie for pulling her recommendation. He lets it slip that he knew she was pregnant. He says she was the romantic pursuer and said before her death she would fix it with the Academy if he slept with her. All right, in our uh, fifth appearance only uh, in the series, we have Warner, and she's starting to find her footing as the, um, the Elizabeth Rogers of this series, uh, we just see her pulling a heart out and showing it to Stabler like the uh, evil huntsman yeah. in uh, Snow White. External examination found no traces of semen. Further testing showed spermicides usually found in condoms. This is fun. Nobody in that room is wearing a mask. 
which is disgusting because there are fluids flying everywhere during an autopsy. Well, who knew Warner was the original anti-masker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to, like, keep a corpse from getting germs, like, in an operating room. Yeah. But you do have to protect yourself from the flying fluids. That is a thing I learned from reading Case Scarpetta books. It's, like, the only thing I learned from reading Case <laughs> Scarpetta books. Well, it's not like the dead body's a chicken Kiev and it's going to... Well, you're literally using a saw, huh? Oh, to yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, come on, that Y incision, it is not delicate. No. <laughs> so Ronnie works at a uh, at CompuGame Software because <clears throat> game nerds all want to be employed in Manhattan where yeah. it's super cheap to live. <laughs> you can tell it's not real because there's no foosball table. There's no full-time barista. It's bullshit. Who wants there's to go there? There's girls there. I mean, and yeah. also these the First names clue. that this franchise comes up with for fake companies are Chef's Kiss, yeah. Compu Game, you know, Micro Face, Face Place, yes. Face Union, yeah, Universe. Bless. This actually wasn't the golden era either of PC gaming. This was like console game era, right? The year 2000. Like I asked you, I'm like, what year was this episode from? I don't know. They're playing Donkey Kong or something. But that was why I asked because they were like gaming software. And I'm like, gaming, so like that's like a net. Like, I want to know. I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't asked for, you know, something for my ColecoVision since the 70s. This was like Sega Genesis era, though. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you can get a girl, you don't need to have, be a full-time video game operator, right? <laughs> Look, I do love it that the uh, head of the police academy is like walking around thinking that they have very high admission standards. Mayberry passed the written, just barely passed the physical. Not exactly buff, but hell, we need the bodies. He passed the psych exam? No, not even close. Profile skewed towards aggression during stress. I thought that was normal. Not at those levels. We already have plenty of cops on the street with excessive force complaints in their files. Well, we think he might use excessive force, so he's just going on the maybe list. Yes, and he's like, <laughs> we have enough of those in the street already. We got enough of those. Yeah, you do. You do. You sure do. It's like, we would have taken him, but this letter of recommendation was withdrawn. So question. You guys all know you have those guys on the street. You're just standing around talking about it. You're not doing anything about it. It's just like coffee conversation. We got plenty of guys out yeah. there beating people up. We're just talking about it. Blah, well, yeah, and Benson's like, blah. well, that's good, right? I mean, we wouldn't have Stabler otherwise, right? And the guy's like, well, there's okay. limits. <laughs> Hello, lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> it's different if you're part of an elite squad. Then mm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're... She's like, I'm sorry, we had to remove the guy from the academy just as he was learning all those illegal neck holes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a look at our cast. We have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who is playing Mr. Jason Mayberry? Look, I, I sent her thank you flowers. It's a come on. I, I hailed her a cab. She's, she's, she's asking me to have drinks with her. You know, she's pregnant. She shouldn't have been drinking. <laughs> low, the, low the lesser? Mr. Chad Low. <laughs> this Chad Low, the lower low. Uh, the lower low. The, lo the lowest of yeah. the low? Oh, poor, poor guy. Yeah, best known as Rob Lowe's brother. And Becca's boyfriend from uh, my, my, whatever that show was called. Uh, Life Goes Life On. Life Goes On, yes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm going to argue that it's Rob who is the lesser low, the lower low, because Chad actually has won an Emmy Award, unlike huh. Rob. Yeah, but Rob's hot. 
I mean, well, <laughs> which one would you rather be? Let's be. Which one would you rather? Would I rather be? Which low would you rather be? Answer me right now. Not Chad Low. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, say what you want about Rob and how you ever think of Rob, but you pick one of those. Why pick one of those guys? You do not want to be Chad. No, it's like being Eli Manning, right? <laughs> oh, poor Eli. He he did all right. He did all right, Pat's fans. Yeah, but he got that busted face. He got that busted face. Oh, my God. He does have more rings than uh, Peyton, so yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's on the nose. That's but he true. wasn't yeah. in those um, awesome commercials. Chicken parm, you taste so good, which I love so much my husband <laughs> made me a mug. I will say this for Chad. He realized that he had to lean as far into his non-robness as possible. So this is like the end of a period where first he was kind of a creepy sort of spectrum guy on ER. And mm. then he was a super rich, like pre-Zuckerberg Zuckerberg on Melrose Place of all things. And then that <laughs> didn't end up working out, even though he had really good chemistry with Laura Layton, in my opinion. Um, and yep. then there's this which i mean yeah well we'll talk about it but the commitment like i guess he just figured like if i'm if i'm not going to be rob i'm going to be just the absolute antithesis of of rob and i mean he he does it he's Mm. he's gross you know what's weird about him it's like when i first saw him in my so-called life it's like Mm. oh my god that's rob lowe's but doesn't look anything like rob lowe but then occasionally he does. Yeah. Like he's like in this in this episode, like when he leans out the door, you're like, oh my God, he looks just like Rob Lowe. But in a weird, like shadowy way where you're like, oh my God, poor Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just missed. It's like millimeters on the cheekbones, and he's just a little too short and weedy looking. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. So close. Last year, Chad Lowe met Chad Lowe. Uh, He connected on Twitter with another Ohio native named Chad Lowe, who's also a Cincinnati Bengals fan. (laughs) And uh, one's handle on Twitter is iChadLowe, and the other is the real Chad Lowe. (laughs) And can you guess which one had the blue check mark? Oh, shit. iChadLowe. Yeah, it wasn't the real Chad Lowe. (laughs) However, now for eight bucks, they both have blue check marks. So it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so on screen, uh, Chad Lowe is known for Life Goes On, Pretty Little Liars. He also played John Denver in the John Denver story. Oh. Uh, wow. Though I think his most dramatic role was crying like a bitch baby watching his ex-wife Hillary Swank get her Oscar. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Can you name the actress playing the mother? Grace Mayberry. Is that Lois Lane herself, Margot Kidder? The late Margot Kidder, yes, best known as Superman Slam Piece, <laughs> Lois Lane. I don't like cryptic conversations. They require a prevaricating nature, which I do not possess. So either you tell me what this is all about, or you can locate Jason using whatever means you have at your disposal. <laughs> She also played Kathy Lutz, the homeowner who makes poor choices in real estate in the Amityville Horror. Mm. Uh Which that house was near you, right? Sure was. A few miles from where I grew up. Yep. Explains the flies. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that uh, Margot's life was difficult. She died by suicide in 2018. 
She had been in a car accident that left her partially paralyzed for two years. And by the mid-90s, she really had been ignoring her bipolar diagnosis. uh, And she had a very highly publicized manic episode in which she was found in someone's garden. Her hair all cut off with razor blades. Her dental work removed, saying that she'd been attacked and she didn't know what happened. Like, no cap. Does this not sound like the inspiration for what happens to Kathleen Stabler? Oh, a little bit. Yeah, except she ends up in somebody's shower. Something like that, yeah? Yeah, like someone finds her in their shower. Yeah. That there's like in the backyard on the swing or something Yeah, no, goofy. The, she, they find her in their shower, her undiagnosed bipolar disorder. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely God, right. I forgot now, about it, that. Yeah, the daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, yeah, because that, that ends up becoming like... The the way to sew up all of like the stuff that she did when she was a kid to make ah. everyone feel better about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, do you know what precipitated this this mental crisis for her? She had been working for three years on an autobiography, and her laptop crashed, destroying three years worth of work. I can relate. I know, right? I mean, this is a very, very, very sad story. That being said, who cannot relate to that kind of trigger? It literally happened to me this week where I had to redo a whole day's worth of work. Yeah. And I came into your office with tears in my eyes. I would try to strangle somebody. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, then, and then you did that thing that made it worse where like I 100% knew I had lost the work. I had already done all of the things. And then you came over and you were like, let me just try. And I was like, no, 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 no. I know it's gone. Sarah, I'd be like, you fucking geek. (laughs) Come here and fix it. (laughs) (laughs) The geek in the geek squad. Uh, Margot appeared in the 2000 religious film Apocalypse 3, Tribulation. Hmm. It's about the end times and the rapture. And she said... She didn't realize until she wound up on set that it wasn't a comedy. Uh, was Kirk Cameron in it? I don't know. I was just going to ask that. I assumed. Probably. Uh, by the way, when I watched this episode, I couldn't believe it wasn't a comedy either. Yeah. By the way, she looked great in this episode. She did. Yeah, I think she may have been brought back to Smallville, sort of a work fair program. Work fair. <laughs> well, fair to work. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Um, anyone know the actress playing Charlene, the secretary at the uh, the office? It's not fun to get fired. Besides, the department heads make the final cuts. Don't shoot the messenger, you know. Mm-mm. Really, Rebecca? You didn't know? You yep. didn't pick her up? That's Keisha Sharp. She was Monica on Girlfriends? No. I didn't know. Oh, I love okay. that show. I do love that show, but I didn't recognize her from there, no. Oh, all right. Well, she was... I, mon- by the way, when I'm watching Girlfriends, I'm too obsessed with the fact that Tootie... Mm-hmm. is wearing all the leftover clothes from Fran Dresser from The Nanny. They literally, by the way, reused all of Fran Dresser's wardrobe from The Nanny for that show. It's wild. Wow. Look it up. Hey, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, she also played Gigi in Are We There Yet? And Trish in the TV series Lethal Weapon. She's currently playing the ship captain in Titanic 666. What's that? Well, here's a review from IMDb. Looks like high school kids made this. <laughs> uh, she was also in the classic horror movie Leprechaun 6, Back to the Hood. Ooh. Well, with the is T-H-A. Honest question, no cap. Why do they keep stealing his gold? <laughs> <laughs> Six also, movies to learn. Also, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like the, is Leprechaun known for being from the hood? Is that, a, I mean, yeah, you're I, Irish? <laughs> Tell me, Kevin. No. <laughs> 
No. <laughs> I'm afraid of the language the leprechaun would have used if he went to the hood. <laughs> Anyone know who's playing Judge Riddendorf? Although I'd like to agree with you concerning custody, I'm on a slippery slope, and I'd rather err on the side of caution. The confession is out. That same guy who's in all of the episodes playing that same judge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Harvey Atkins. 22 Law & Order Universe appearances. He has the trifecta. You might recognize him because of that bushy mustache for his 100 episodes as Sergeant Coleman on Cagney and Lacey. Uh-huh. No, of course, of course not. But maybe you <laughs> remember CBS. You know, I never watched that channel. Maybe you remember him as Morty, the camp director from Meatballs. The guy with oh, the bucket yeah, hat okay. always being upstaged by Bill Murray and Chris Makepeace. Oh, yes. Wherefore art thou, Chris Makepeace? Hmm. Sarah, you recognize somebody from the cast that you wanted to point out. Bruce McVinnie as the outraged widower who definitely was going for a guest Emmy nod. It's a mistake. My wife isn't here. McVinnie left like a face print on the autopsy window. He was so distraught. He like threw himself at that window like a dying bird. It was incredible. (laughs) He's like, see that? He's like, I'm going to have the second most unhinged performance in this episode. I yeah. wish, I mean, it is a shame that he's so underutilized in this episode. He had two great scenes and then he disappeared. Like, I really wish we'd gotten to see more of him unraveling. I really liked it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed his grief, I guess is what I'm saying. I enjoyed uh-huh. his grief. He's like a tertiary bad guy usually or like a red herring sort of like he doesn't want to talk to the cops because he did something else that was merely a misdemeanor. And then he like departs. <laughs> Lastly, can you tell me who's playing the defense attorney, Milton Schoenfield? Constitutional violation. My client asked for a lawyer and was denied access. That's Rob Bartlett, six Law & Order appearances, longtime Broadway actor. He spent 31 years as a sidekick on Imus in the Morning. Oh, Ooh. good for him. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. More for him. <sighs> He's good for him for getting out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he and a teenage Eddie Murphy. Uh, were two-thirds of a comedy trio called The Identical Triplets. Eddie Murphy then auditioned for Saturday Night Live, and that was the last he saw of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds about right. Okay, so originally they suspected the husband because Ronnie hadn't told him about the baby, but before she died, she ordered him a camcorder that had a note attached announcing she was pregnant. Yes. Read the card, detective. Mr. Tandy, I had to do Just my... read it! Baby Tandy, number four, shoot till you drop. Love, Ronnie. She bought the camera for a new baby. Wasn't having an affair. Honey, I want you to always remember the magic of having the UPS delivery driver tell us the news. Does Warner and the cops not know how pregnancy works? Like seven weeks literally means that baby is like... It's not seven weeks old. It's like they count from when you like were supposed to have your last period starting, mm-hmm. right? So that baby is like not even like it's not the fe- they say fetus. It's like uh. it's like a large lump of bad caviar. Yes, at that it's point, completely like when you wouldn't have told your spouse yet because she would have just figured it out like four days ago. She may well, not even have known yet herself. Also, this is um, McVitie and Mrs. McVitie number four, right? So not that every pregnancy with each woman is the same, but after three of them, like, you know, she's rolling out of bed like, uh, uh, you don't you don't notice (laughs) you don't put it together four times the charm. 
Yeah. Okay. But I mean, only on TV because you got to give him a big moment where he's like, how dare you? And then also in the box is a glove that he can like throw on the ground to be like, I challenge you to a duel. (laughs) Like, okay, everybody just. (laughs) (laughs) Pistols at dawn. Settle down. Yep. Yeah. So based on the romance of the camcorder announcement, the gender reveal is going to be a cameo from Mike Piazza. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like, two balls, it's a boy. (laughs) I don't even get the joke, but I like it. (laughs) So by the way, for the first time in the series, they bring in Wong. Bring in Wong, he's our own. And he's an asshole right off the bat. So I have a question. So they were obviously trying to write a different character than he ended up being on the show in this appearance, right? Yep. Detective Stabler should do this alone. Excuse me? Your man has a problem with women. If this is your guy, he's never going to open up to you. All rapists have a problem with women. Uh, I'll sit this one out, but you're not telling us anything new, Doctor. The man who did this is extremely shy and frequently excited. He attacks women from behind with yoking and frottage. He graduated to rape and murder. This is what it seemed to me. Like the character that they had written for mm-hmm. him initially was like a real weird, quirky, yeah, almost like Hannibal Lectory, like prescient guy who who just knows things like the, sort of like a D'Onofrio esque. Yeah, like, yes. And it is so off putting and strange, especially like with the Wong that we come to know. I'm watching this. I'm like, what the actual fuck is going on? I mean, it's very clear, right? That that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. I think that they and they definitely wanted to point up that whole like territorial egghead loves his profiling bookie works written by Robert Ressler. Like even his glasses are like stupid or just like (laughs) confrontational. Like they're just trying to put him at odds with NYPD. And it's like, um, you both suck IRL. So like (laughs) girls, girls, you're both shitty. Um, But I, I didn't realize that he didn't show up until this late until the end of the second season. And I also didn't realize how much I miss him and Tamara Tooney on the show, because now I just feel it's like everyone taking it personally. And, you know, like here's a PSA about looking both ways before you cross the street featuring Noah. (laughs) And the show actually has bounced back a little bit in the last couple seasons, but like old school Cragen, um, Wong. I just, I miss that guy. Um, Mm -hmm. and he, as time went on, got more, um, informative and also like bitchy and would give much more pushback to the cops. But here, like everything from his glasses frames to his little sweater, like they were definitely going for something. And the actor was like not entirely about it or was not being directed in a productive way. But it was really like Uh, Sarah, his lines were literally the rapist is shy. I mean, it was a super fucked up set of dialogue yeah. he was given to read here. Uh, the knife represents his penis. That that, that was where I was yeah. like, um, yeah, we know. We've been watching this show for, like, yeah. the show is old enough to rent a car. We know. We got it. But later on, he instructs Stabler to get nasty, to draw out Jason's hatred of women. How long you been married? 16 year sentence. 16 long, dry years. Any kids? Too many. Creditor just called. I'm in hog up to my ass. My wife shops, and if I take away her credit cards, she don't give me any. 
A stapler goes in. He calls his wife a slut who took his manhood <laughs> and trapped him with the pregnancy. And women victims are asking for it. And Huang is like, hey, man, you didn't have to turn it up to 11. And he's like, hey, man, that's a stapler four. Stabler is like, <laughs> my wife spends too much money and I have too many kids. And it's been so dry. And it's been so dry. And I'm like, true? That's right. True? I mean, I don't know about the spending part. Yeah. That came real easy to him. Sometimes <laughs> you don't have to dig too deep, Sarah, to find <laughs> the character. Oh, <laughs> uh, Maybe that was just the actor resenting having to do storylines about his, his stupid offspring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, though, they do have too many kids. They do. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah. They're Catholic. They can't use all the condoms that they find later on. By the way, Jason goes from saying that he rebuffed Ronnie's advances to getting sexually blackmailed by her. And she told him to meet her for this tryst in front of Crazy Bob's yes. store. His prices are not sane. Another example. <laughs> <sighs> Man, what preheats a woman's oven more than a window full of luggage, off-brand VCRs, and CB radios? <laughs> Let's do it here, baby. I do feel like people not from the tri-state area will not understand the shittiness of that reference, Crazy Eddie reference. So bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> like, the writer's room people are just, like, punking each other at this point yeah. with the off-brandness, right? Brutal. It's like buying ice cream from Schmarvel. <laughs> they could have met in front of any place in New York. 32 flavors. Okay. We're going to go get a biscuit puss from Schmarvel. Oh, biscuit puss. Oh. Man. Fudgy the fish from Schmarvel. I was going to go with Fidgy the whale, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I read about that on Face Union. <laughs> oh. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. While Stabler continues interrogating Jason, Benson searches his small apartment. Instead of a knife, she finds a jar of bloody hat pins. Olivia then questions Grace Mayberry about why her clothes are in Jason's laundry. We have dinner. Sometimes we go to the theater. And after that, it is too late for me to drive home. So sometimes I spend the night. All of which is none of your business. It's an awfully small apartment for overnight guests, Mrs. Mayberry. Where do you sleep? Jason asks for a lawyer, but keeps on talking. He says the baby was his, and Ronnie was going to leave her husband for him. Meanwhile, Craig and Juan connect the bloody hatpins to a series of reports of women getting jabbed in the ass. A form of peakerism. After being confronted with the fact that he's been sleeping with his mom... 
Jason falls to the floor and says, I'm a dirty little boy. (laughs) At an evidentiary hearing, a judge rules Stabler should have given the suspect his lawyer and the confession is thrown out. They need the murder weapon and Cabot convinces New Jersey authorities to let them search Grace Mayberry's mansion for the knife. When Benson and Stabler arrive, they discover them naked in bed. Jason has just stabbed his mother to death with the missing knife, declaring, I'm not a widow boy anymore. Mm. Man, for a guy who may not be getting a lot of sex, he surely stocks up on a lot of boxes of condoms. Yep, mm. for his mom. Mm. <laughs> well, I'll be damned. Yeah. Looks like Jason wears a condom every day. Damn. By the way, isn't his mom probably menopausal? Just saying. What are those condoms oh. for? Well, he wants to be he wants to be responsible while he's with his mom. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, you know what the baby would be like. <laughs> but think of all the condoms there. It's like he's taking cigarettes into the Soviet Union. I have so many questions. All right, you go ahead. Her clothes were in his apartment. Her silk blouse. Is he getting getting her dry cleaning? What is happening? Why doesn't he have a nicer apartment if she's staying there? She's obviously very rich. Don't you have so many questions about the logistics of this whole situation? Well, why does he have his own place? Like the whole, I mean, there's the peakerism and then there's the momerism that I I just feel like this was one too many things. Take one thing off. Not Margot Kidder silk blouse, please. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, they find all those condoms. Where do they find all the bananas that he's been <laughs> practicing, practicing with? with? Yeah. yeah. What is going on with the like running gag with this lurch height dude who finds the hat pins like on the roof practically because he's six foot eight? The hat pins weren't in the scope of the search warrant. They were in plain view, Your Honor. Hardly. The box was kept on a high cabinet. Oh, well, the people try to tell me that someone in the search team was seven feet tall. They should have just paraded him in and been like, aha, judge, see? It plain sight. You should bring that guy on every fucking search. Bring him on every search. Yeah. Kareem, come in here for a minute. <laughs> Akeem Olajuwon, there thank you, you for joining the police department. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> something in the offseason. Yeah. Meantime, Kragen shows off these dagger length hat pins used in a series of prick attacks. Uh, he shows them to Wong, who says, Peekerism. I just didn't see it. Peekerism. The murder was peekeristic, and I just didn't see it. He derives excitement from stabbing women's flesh. Six victims walking in a crowd suddenly attacked from behind and stuck with hat pins in the buttocks and back. And not one could ID her attacker. It fits his profile. But, but Craig knows what peekerism is, too. Yeah. Ever heard but, that word before, guys? Ever? Yeah, but Juan no. is like... Making it all about him. It's like, oh, I should have known. I'm Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. How did I not see this? How did we not see it? Apparently, peakerism is a very commonly known Foolish thing. members of an elite squad. Right. <laughs> I mean, and then he reacts as though it's like, oh, a rare t- kind of pathology for my collection. And then stops just short of tenting his fingers. Like, does someone want to direct this poor man? Please. <laughs> this poor Tony Award winning, like famous actor before he came into this stupid oh my part. God. Man. Yeah. He does have a good line when they're asking about whether Jason might have got rid of the knife. And he says he suffers from peakerism, counselor. That knife represents his penis. It is not disposable. Unlike Stabler's, which apparently is. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, enough kids. You're not going to need that. So you can't spell Oedipus without us. <laughs> uh, Chad Lowe has been playing it like a shy, put-upon man, and then all of a sudden... He becomes the Joker, dropping to the floor with this, oh, I'm a bad boy kind of stuff. I'm a dirty little boy. I can't keep my hands to myself. You lying boy. Don't look. Oh, look, look. Oh. Hmm? Don't touch. Touch me. Oh. I'm kind of thinking he likes being a little dirty boy. The way he's all, like, happy and he's got his finger to his lip like he's going, you're not wrong. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the creepiest and weirdest performance. One of them, top three I've ever seen in the show. And it is imminently mockable for that reason. It's just so, it's so over the top. I um, was watching this in the living room. Usually I spare my husband, um, an actor, <laughs> the experience of preparing these uh, these episodes but uh, he was walking through. I wasn't expecting him to be home. He was walking through the living room. He became becalmed by the over-the-top indicating. And when Chad the lower like swoons to the floor and is just doing all of this business, capital B, with uh, his fingers and his mouth, and then it just kept going. Yes. <laughs> and and Dan, my husband, turns to me and is like what podcast is this for? And I said, these are their stories. And he's like, but I thought they liked you. Aren't you friends with them? <laughs> and I was like, here's, here's the thing. I feel that there are certain episodes that they're like, who else is going to, who else is going to tolerate this material? Yep. Chester Lake episodes and Chad the Lower. So it's yeah. the grossest scene I think I've ever seen on the show. And that is saying something. We couldn't look directly at the screen. Nope. Awful. We have watched people literally being sexually assaulted on screen on this show. This scene is less watchable than all of those scenes on this show. It's because you're a dirty little girl. <laughs> so <laughs> uncomfortable. You can feel the character to messing. It's like, I can't. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. You just made it worse. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, welcome. I tell you, though, Happy holidays. He's glistening. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I can I can kind of see what his mom sees in him. He's turgid. <laughs> He's turgid. By the way, nothing will make a guy go from six to twelve than making bail and going home to fuck his mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Well, he is a filthy lying bastard. He is. <laughs> uh, mom was found on her stomach, so you know the way she likes it. Oh, God. Oh. I didn't know you were Greek. Okay. These are fictional people. You should. You didn't say that at the beginning of the episode. People, if you don't know, they're fictional. <laughs> <laughs> no one is crying for Chad Lowe. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, they go in, they find mom dead, Chad Lowe on top of her with the bloody knife. They're both naked. I think I speak on behalf of all the detectives that they're glad they didn't show up 15 minutes sooner. Mm -hmm. I told her I'm not a little boy anymore. The one good thing about this scene, um, well, two good things. First of all, it was the end of the episode and I could go do a flea dip in lie. And second of all, <laughs> Harkate to this day has these reaction faces where it's just like the letters WTF are like scrolling down her face. It's just yep. this like, what the fuck? 
And uh, <laughs> this was peak Hargitay, what the fuck face. And um, yeah. I'm here for it. And I agree. I always wonder, you know how like that thing that like some soap opera, soap opera actor said one time where it's like the thing that they have to do, those long reaction shots they have to do where the, the, they cut the scene and then it's coming back to them and they do the thing where it's like, did I leave the oven on? <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder, like, what's Hargitay's? Like, what is the thing she is thinking with the, oh, my God, I'm so disgusted. What the fuck? But what is she thinking? Like, what is her inspiration? Is Cause there's got to be a thing. Pineapple on a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Are those raisins? <laughs> that would be mine. That would totally be mine. Non-consensual like, raisins. Cookies. Are those raisins? <laughs> Hateful. Um, that's messed up. <laughs> there should be a delete squ- an elite squad for non-consensual yeah. raisins. I'm telling yeah. you, misdemeanor dried fruit. It's a scourge, frankly. I realize though, this is the first, the only time in the episode with Chad Lowe gets to meet and work with Margot Kidder. So he's like, hi, uh, Merkin or no Merkin? <laughs> Can you imagine prepping that scene? They're just like covered with caro syrup. It's freezing. I mean, I know they're not really in New Jersey, but they're in, you know, metaphorical New Jersey. And it's like, yeah. guys, get it in one. I'm, I'm just thinking of poor Margot Kidder. She's like, I once got to be in naked in bed with Christopher Reeve. And now I get you. The lesser love. Yeah. No silver sheets, no super peen, nothing. The yes. fortress of solitude. We're not in Niagara Falls with that like yeah. heart-shaped bathtub situation. For fuck's sakes. Yeah, you're no man of steel, if you know what I mean. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. Can't wait. You think you know who did it. You think you know. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. Plot points for this episode may have come from the bizarre crime spree of a suspect dubbed by the press as the Dart Man. In the summer of 1990, women walking in midtown Manhattan reported getting stuck with a pin in their rear ends. Witnesses say the women were attacked from behind by a man blowing a small dart through a straw-like device. Police say the projectiles were regular sewing needles wrapped in paper to weigh the homemade dart down. Over a three-week period, more than 50 women stepped forward to report getting hit in the arse with a dart. (laughs) All of the victims have been well-dressed, wearing either a skirt or shorts. Authorities say none of the needles have been laced or dipped in any hazardous materials. 
Working off a police sketch, detectives stopped Jerome Wright, who worked as a messenger in the Time Life building. In a lineup, three witnesses identified Wright in a pair of attacks. The judge ordered a psychiatric evaluation and determined he was fit to stand trial. Because no one was injured during the crimes, felony charges were later reduced to misdemeanors. Police never found the blowgun or other darts used in the attacks. I mean, they never found a straw. He literally threw it in the garbage. A straw-like device. If that isn't fucking cop PR speak. <laughs> vehicle utilize straw like device. It he was a straw. Spitball. Is big straw <laughs> going to sue ladies. you for libel? Just call it a straw. <laughs> he spitballed ladies with needles. <laughs> <what> he <laughs> so many jokes. Uh, there was a story. Maybe it might be a little more on point because it happened in 1999. On much closer point. to this episode. <laughs> on point. Uh, but if about five it. attacks in the ah. subway. Oh, geez. <laughs> Somebody with a with a, a hat pin. But they never found who it was. And so as far as that's the- probably what it was. This is 2000. That was 99. It was hat pins. That's probably what it was. Yeah. But yeah. this one's funnier. This one's better yeah. to talk about, I think. <laughs> yeah. Police were puzzled because they couldn't figure out a motive for the crimes. They didn't believe that it was strictly sexual. No, it's just uh, funny. That, <laughs> that was the motive. Yeah. He was trying to be funny. How how old was this dude? I think he was like 35, 36. Oh, okay. Okay, he was just a dick, okay. and he thought it would be funny. Right. I'm guessing that was the motive. I mean, I'm not saying it was funny. I'm guessing he thought it would be funny. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. Well, <laughs> since no harm was done, it's sort of funny. Sort of funny. Uh, prosecutors claim that Wright said it was immoral for women to wear short skirts <laughs> And unnatural for a man to look at a woman's legs and get aroused. Oh. So it is true the women were asking for it. Mm. Yes. I mean, that's also funny. I mean, <laughs> okay. So I'm not saying he thought it was funny. And I'm not saying what he thinks is funny. But objectively, that whole shit is very funny. Because he is actually looking at them when he is doing the thing. Right. Well, yeah. You're saying there's no logic to it. So he's doing the thing that he says people shouldn't do in order to punish people for the thing he says people shouldn't do. Yeah. That's fucking funny. It is. I'm sorry. It just is. Like, I, I would love to be one of his parents, like in a room with him. Just no, you like, wouldn't. Jerome, <laughs> let's have some lasagna and a conversation about what you did. <laughs> let's talk about how fucking stupid it was. <laughs> So none other than the tabloid rag, The New York Times, ran a story about how women were changing their summer fashions from skirts to Bermuda shorts because of the dart man. Uh, they referred to capri pants as, quote, protective clothing. <laughs> By the way, the guardian angels. Protected from being sexy. Yeah. <laughs> or presentable. It saves you from all kinds of pricks. Well, and also, Jesus fucking Christ, like, how long did that last? Three hours in a New York yeah. summer? No. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The Guardian Angels passed out dart avoidance tip sheets, mm. which included tips like, <laughs> tip. don't be a skank. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds on brand for them. Yeah. Uh, they also posted signs that said, dart man, 
turn yourself in before we make a dartboard out of you. Oh, my God. Ooh, shut up. <laughs> the guardian uh, angels. I feel like something. I'm sick of pinning you. One of those trees from the Wizard of Oz, you know? <laughs> they should put out, like, guardian angel avoidance dip sheets is what they should do. God. By the way, they spelled dart man as one word, like the AP style guide, which mm. had it as two words. Was there also a dance? Like, do the dart man? <laughs> Was there a dart man signal in the sky like that they put out, you know, with the light? It's just the peach emoji. (laughs) Beware. (laughs) Dart man. He was collared by two cops who were part of, I'm not kidding, the dart attack task force, which they created. These are two guys who sat in a cab and watched people go by all day in in, uh, Times Square. Uh, But when he was arrested on his perp walk, the press shouted, Hey, dart man, dart man. Which was got to be embarrassing for everybody involved. Yeah. <laughs> but it did foretell the coming of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think. Dark. Shard Man. <laughs> oh, God. So Wright told investigators there is a place where they shoot women with darts who wear provocative clothing to punish them and then throw them in volcanoes. That place is called Texas. That place is called Scientology, is what it's called. <laughs> that place is called Before the Internet. I I have to wonder what would have happened if this, if Dartman had tried to enact his reign of whatever the fuck this is, like seven years later, like on a dial-up connection. He's like, you know what? There's a place <laughs> that you could go with these feelings. It's called Penthouse Magazine, and we encourage you to subscribe. <laughs> Today it's called Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Sarah D. Bunting. Sarah, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, gosh. Well, I'd love you to follow me on Instagram at Sarah D. Bunting, and you can listen to my podcast, Extra Hot Great. That's on all the socials at Extra Hot Podcast. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. You can see Lego Creations, Dogs, and learn about all my podcasts at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the new name, Treehouse Yoga above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.